Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good Monday morning. I'm Andrea Heng for Your Money, sitting in for Michelle Martin, of course. Welcome to the first workday of 2022. Asia-Pacific stocks starting the first trading day of the year rather muted. The STI currently down by nearly 0.1% at 3,124 points. South Korea's Kospi is flat. Of course, Japan and Australia are closed for today. Over on Wall Street, we saw some profit-taking on the last trading day of 2021. Some saw some slight losses across the board. We saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 0.2%, the S&P 500 retreating 0.3% and the Nasdaq Composite dipping 0.6%. But there was some good news. All three indexes finished the month higher in December. For the year, the major averages posted double-digit returns. The S&P rose 27%, marking the benchmark's third straight positive year. Same as well for the Dow, up 19% and also also a three-year winning streak for the Nasdaq, up 21%. But Singapore started the year with both good and bad news. Ryan Huang is here to with me to tell you all about it. Good morning, Ryan. Happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year, Andrea. What are you doing here today? <laughs> One last day with me, lah. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Michelle will be back tomorrow uh, and it will be uh, programming as usual. Uh, how was your New Year's? Pretty good, pretty good. So how was yours? Uh, mine was okay. I'm just glad there were no fireworks in my neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, my, I live near East Coast parks, right? So mm. there's um, ships at the coast. And what I do every New Year's Eve is, or New Year's at that mark is release flares. Oh. So it's a bit of a different fireworks uh, if you are in that area. It is. It must have been quite a sight. I think there were red flares, right? It is, it is. Um, so if you are you know, following Instagram um, for, to on my channel at least, uh, mm. maybe you can see some of those uh, pictures. Right. I think my husband's mom stays in uh, Marine Parade as well and she tells me every year is quite a sight to behold. Mm. Uh, I, I wish I lived there. I'm going to move there soon. So not for the fireworks, of course, not for the flares, but <laughs> clearly for other reasons. Uh, top of the news today, Singapore's GDP. Singapore's recovery gained pace in the final three months of 2021, pushing the economy to its fastest full-year growth in more than a decade. GDP expanded 2.6% on a seasonally adjusted basis from the previous three months. And this is, of course, according to advanced estimates from the MTI, Ministry of Trade and Industry. And this beats a median 2.1% forecast in a Bloomberg survey of economists. Mm. That last quarter acceleration helped propel growth for the full year to 7.2%, the fastest since 2010, and after a 5.4% contraction in 2020. Uh, Just one last point for you. Economists had a forecast of expansion of 7.1%, while the Trade Ministry in November said it expected about 7%. Your thoughts, Ryan? Let's break it down. Yeah, all in is pretty good news. So you do have, starting with the full year number, a rise of 7.2%. So that rebounds, confirms the rebound, from the contraction in 2020 of 5.4%. So we are seeing the recovery in the economy. There were some uncertainty and questions around the last quarter because Mm. of the Omicron variant just putting back restrictions to some extent uh, in terms of the VTLs, the suspension of um, travel to Malaysia. Mm. Uh, Also looking at some of the headwinds coming through around the economy, around the um, global economy as well. So that's been something of a question mark. But it seems like... um, the fourth quarter managed to take all those obstacles in its stride. And we did see 
a rise of 5.4%. Um, so that 5.9 percent, excuse me, above the consensus forecast of 5.4%. So we are looking at four straight quarters of growth, and we are possibly looking at momentum building ahead because the Singapore government is looking for a further recovery in 2022. Even though it might moderate, and we are looking at a forecast of 3 to 5%, uh, and this is going to be partly due to base effects as well. So we have the prospects of reopening borders, reopening, easing up, and also booster vaccination. So the more people get bo- um, booster shots, the more resilient the population will be to the COVID-19 various strains and in turn the restrictions that need to be um, in place. So that's going to be I guess brighter skies ahead for the Singapore economy if things go according to plan. Wonderful news to start the year with I have to say. Uh, What were the sectors that propped up uh, the GDP in that final quarter? So we are looking at pretty much a broad-based recovery, um, some better than others. If you look at the manufacturing sector, there was a standout expanding 12.8% last year. And we have the services sector up 5.2%, construction up 18.7%. And you have to remember these two sectors were heavy hit by the pandemic with the restrictions around workers, Mm. around activities and construction sites. So it is finally showing some signs of returning to a bit of normalization or at least closer to normal. So that's a good sign. And then you have the various schemes to... um, involve more foreign workers coming back in um, with some safe measures. So Mm. that's going to help some of the sectors as well. Uh, One thing worth noting, we have the electronics industries doing well, and that is also including the precision engineering clusters. Mm. That is of the global demand for semiconductors and semiconductor equipment. But worth noting, some analysts are saying we have maybe seen the peak demand for these um, goods, semiconductors. So something that might wane or fade in the coming months. So something to look out for in terms of expectations mm. for the coming year. So a little bit of tapering in certain sectors to look out for. We'll, of course, keep an eye on that for you. Uh, let's continue with the good news, shall we? Many of us returning to the office from today, uh, SBH being one of them, and there's a New Year present waiting. What is it, Ryan? I guess if you are talking about GST vouchers, then you have a nice present. And mm. this is uh, around the headlines. We have 950,000 households living in HDB flats will receive a GST voucher. You save rebates this month. So it's been talked about before. This is all part of the plan to mm-hmm. give some support to the lower and middle income families. So this is the sixth tranche of payments in the current fiscal year. And that will end on... March 31st. So something that will help to go some way uh, amid the inflationary pressures we've been hearing about, mm. cost of goods going up. So that's going to help. Absolutely. Early, a bit of an early ang pao, I would think. Uh, Chinese New Year is just a, a month mm. away. Uh, very quick, this one. Um, also, one more piece of good news from today. Companies will be allowed to hold work-related events for up to a 1,000 people. And this is, of course, a drastic increase from the current cap of only 50 participants. We heard in the news earlier that events with more than 50 people cannot include the consumption of meals or beverages, unlike those with fewer than 50 participants. Organisers also have 
have to make sure that people are split into zones of up to 100 people per zone with a two-metre safe distance between zones. Let's uh, take a look at some of the bad news. The government will have to start moving on the planned hike in GST and Budget 2022, which will be announced on February 18th. Explaining the timing, Prime Minister Lee Sien Lung said in his New Year message on Friday that this is as the economy is emerging from COVID-19. Mr Lee said additional revenues are needed to fund the expansion of the healthcare system and support schemes for older Singaporeans. What are we looking at, Ryan? I think uh, DPM Hing Sui Kiet dropped some hints back in 2018, which was, of course, pre-pandemic. Yeah, it depends if you look at the glass half full or half empty. If you are you know, looking at the GST as maybe as a signal that the recovery for the economy is doing well, so well enough that it's time for a GST hike, then hey, mm. it's a good overall you know, um, um, tailwind for the economy and broad growth across the board. So that means you know, it can justify and sustain a GST hike earlier rather than later. Um, of course, uh, if you are looking at the other side of things, you will have to pay more. In fact, we are looking at around 7% GST right now. That will in time increase to 9%. So the exact mechanics, whether it will be phased and when, which year, this year, maybe next year. Uh, so all the details will be out in the budget next month where we will get all the details. But what we know so far is that this is um, something that's been talked about by um, Deputy Prime Minister Heng Sui Kiat how this is important to build up the revenues of Singapore because, as you would know, all the previous stimulus measures have um, dried up the coffers to some extent and we need to replace those monies and we also need to take care of making sure we don't overly tax the any particular generation. So we need to make sure there's sustainable revenue as well and the GST is one way to do that. And he says it will provide revenue of almost 0.7% of GDP per year and it's one of many tools that the government will use to manage its future expenditures through prudent spending. So partly it will go to healthcare spending because that has definitely give, uh, gone up as you have seen with the COVID-19 situation especially. Also with the population getting older and social spending also set to go up, security. So all these cost pressures are coming through and we need some way to pay it. Someone needs to pay the bill. Absolutely. It's been almost more than a decade, I think, that uh, Singapore last increased their GST to 7%, which is what we're paying now. Uh, let's uh, widen our lenses and go macro and talk about emerging market IPOs. Uh, according to Bloomberg, a record-breaking number of emerging market companies made their public debuts in 2021, just ahead of what should be a tough year for equity investors. While the price of newly issued stocks has risen since their IPOs, the benchmark gauge of developing economy stocks just wrapped up its worst year since 2018. More than 1,100 companies from emerging markets made IPOs last year on local or foreign exchanges all in, they raised about $228 billion via listings, and this is up 31% from 2020. Let's look back at 2021 real quick. How many IPOs did we see and who led the race? How much was raised? Okay, I am looking at the numbers for the emerging markets, and we have 1,161. And among the emerging markets, you've got right at the top, China, 602, followed mm. by... Um, South Korea, 119. India, 116. 
Indonesia, 51, and Brazil, 50. So you've got a couple of reasons uh, showing this strong performance. And this is a 31% increase from 2020. So altogether, we saw all the EM countries raising $228 billion. Mm. And the flavor of the year was technology. And this especially so with COVID-19, people just flocking to all things technology, uh, especially with the boom in some names like Zoom, uh, some of the software providers, cybersecurity especially. So all those names and areas and sectors um, did pretty well. If you look at what's, um, look, uh, what's uh, expected in the coming year, um, some fundamentals might continue in terms of momentum, but there are possibly a few headwinds. And this is around how China has been clamping down. So regulation uncertainty, new rules, especially with foreign investments, may be a bit of a headwind for momentum. And if you look at India, also tightening of rules as we see some companies still unprofitable um, trying to tap stock markets. So they've been trying to nip that problem in the bud, you know, mm. just avoiding how some companies may not um, eventually do well. So if you look at Brazil, also headwinds expected, a slowdown as interest rates surge and we are, of course, expecting three rate hikes this year from the Fed. So mm-hmm. that could put pressure on other central banks to also hike their rates. So something that could mean a bit of a moderation when it comes to IPOs this year. And I think the appetite, that all those factors will certainly slow down the IPO appetite. Uh, staying in, uh, speaking of emerging markets, let's stay macro in Asia a little longer. Traders say they will be keeping a watchful eye on Chinese stimulus, the direction of the US dollar, fading retail participation and the outlook for equity listings. And these all, as they seek a turnaround in Asian stocks this year, the case for a rebound should be aided by lower values Valuations after the MSCI Asia-Pacific Index underperformed its global counterpart by around 20 percentage points last year. What are the five things that Bloomberg says uh, are on the stock watch this year in Asia, Ryan? All right, let me give you the um, overview first. So we've got the people's put. And this is with the um, expectation that mainland stocks could recover this year as we expect Beijing to more uh, intervention mm. or policies to support some of the slowing growth expected in some sectors as we see wider sentiment being dragged down by a property slump and weak consumption patterns. Also, in China, border patrol. And this is around how uh, we've got the Winter Olympics coming up sometime in February. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a COVID zero policy by China. So we could be seeing China just shutting its borders ahead of the Olympics just to be sure that things don't get out of control in terms of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at what's um, something to look out for with um, the interest rates. That is around how we could see a stronger dollar in line with the rates hikes, uh, possibly impacting Asian assets, especially if you've been borrowing in US dollars. You will have to pay back more in US dollars. So something to potentially pose headwinds for uh, Asian assets. And if you look at what's happening for um, the fourth point, and that is with retail mania, Uh, in places like South Korea and India, where Mm. we had a lot of people just jumping on this um, bandwagon of retail trading. Um, And that's been just made popular by all these easy-to-trade platforms Mm -hmm. that have really become quite popular. 
so much so it's almost like a computer game. So that <laughs> may be fading in terms of um, enthusiasm mm. as maybe people get back to work and occupy themselves with other things. Mm. So maybe less time to invest in markets. And also as the spectacular jumps we've seen in the past two years may be moderating. So that might not um, attract as many investors as before. So it's been look out for. Also, the IPO pipeline, that's the fifth point that's been outlined by um, this article. So we are expecting, for example, a bit of a volatile year in Hong Kong. Mm. Um, but some things to look out for, the homecoming listings from the likes of DD Global, um, maybe more could be down the pipeline as we see um, more crackdowns un- unfold. And also the spec listing backdrop. That could be encouraging some startups to go for listings in the places like Singapore and Hong Kong as we start to attract more or give more approvals. We've already got in Singapore the likes of Taikahau Capital Mm -hmm. as well as Vertex Holdings getting the approval for a SPAC listing. So something that could start the ball rolling. Yeah, I think SPACs and the IPO market is going to try and boost uh, the Hong Kong market uh, and perhaps bring it back into competition with Singapore, uh, the two uh, traditional rivals here in Asia. Uh, Sticking with that side of the world, uh, China has two challenges laid out uh, in January. Uh, Of course, we can't start the year without talking about China. Not a very rosy picture for the second biggest economy as it faces two kinds of challenges. Let's talk about the first one and it's a very expensive one. What is it, Ryan? Okay, we are talking about a bill. $197 billion that property developers have to pay this month. And they are, of course, running out of options to raise those funds. Uh, This is against the headlines we've been seeing in the past year. Evergrande, the various property developers Mm. just struggling under pressure to return payment for those bonds they've issued, coupons, trust products and wages of their workers as well. So this is going to be important because if these um, payments are not done or managed properly, it could lead to social unrest, especially as we head into the Lunar New Year coming up. So that could be one to watch as we see the likes of China Evergrande try to meet payroll by the end of this month. So something that the Chinese authorities are also pushing for these developers developers to do. But the question is, you know, how much cash is there to go around? Yeah, and whether they even can meet that January deadline. And hopefully this other challenge is less daunting for China and hopefully maybe will help sort out the first problem. What, what's... Uh, What's that second challenge that we're talking about, Ryan? Yeah, it has a bit to do with property as well. But overall, it's about spending money. And that is how a lot of people have been reading news and headlines, how the Chinese economy is slowing down. And that has a bit of a, a weight on sentiment. When you hear things like that, you might hold back on spending. And then it just manifests into a self-fulfilling prophecy and a spiral where people just continue to save money, hold back on spending, and then businesses don't have business and they can't pay their workers and just continues into this bad spiral potentially. So that's what's happening now, especially with the property sector weighing on China's economy. And that is a huge sector that has such a tremendous ecosystem. The vendors, the renovation companies, the construction companies, Mm. uh, everyone down the line in terms of services, mortgages. So it has huge knock-on and ripple effects. Yeah. So something that can affect consumer spending and that is going to be something they want to 
uh, try to revive and maybe they could do it with some of the targeted measures like the triple R cards mm-hmm. or uh, easier to borrow loans. So things like that will be um, one to watch um, in the coming months to see how much sentiment is being affected by the property slump and how that could be reversed, hopefully, with uh, maybe tourism coming back mm-hmm. or if COVID zero is something they might have to you know, change their mind about mm. um, to kind of live with the, with the COVID-19 virus mm-hmm. and let it be endemic. So something that will be closely watched in terms of how the government uh, adopts their strategy or tweaks its strategy. Only the 3rd of January and already there is so much excitement. What else is on our corporate news watch today or rather this week, Ryan? Okay, I've got my eye on REITs and this is around the mega merger news we got last Friday about around Maple Tree and this is Maple Tree Commercial Trust and Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust. Uh, they announced a merger which will make them one of Asia's 10 largest REITs and this will be called Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust. So this portfolio will include the likes of Vivo City, Maple Tree Business City 1 and 2, alongside what's in Hong Kong for MNACT, Festival Walk, Gateway Plaza in Beijing. So it's going to be a wider portfolio and in this backdrop, size matters when they try to um, take on bigger projects. So mm. something that will go some way to making them a bigger player on the global stage. So one of the movements or in terms of um, share prices to watch out for today. Uh, also, Tesla is one to watch because mm. they have a, another record quarter. And this is its sixth straight quarter. It has posted record deliveries. So the fourth quarter came in at 308,600 vehicles being delivered higher than the forecast of 263,000. So that is up 70% from a year earlier and nearly 30% higher from the prior quarter. So it is showing really strong um, sales despite the headwinds from supply chain or global chip shortages. So it seems like China is one of the growth markets so much so it has been talking about raising the prices of, of Teslas in China. Mm, indeed, good news that has clouded the not-so-good news uh, that Tesla had towards the end of the year about that recall of some of the vehicles in the US. Thank you very much for that roundup, Ryan Huang. Michelle Martin will be back tomorrow. All right. After a well-deserved break, of course. So she'll be sitting back here with you for Market View. Don't miss me. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be back one day. I'm sure I will. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.